Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, limitless-estates.com and grab our free passive investors guide. Also, if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. So let's now jump into our show. Today, we have Dmitry Fomichenko here with us. Dmitry, we're glad you're here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. Well, before we head into the interview, here's a little bit more about Dmitry. Dmitry is the founder and president of Sense Financial Services, LLC, which is a boutique financial firm specializing in self-directed retirement accounts with checkbook control. His company was inspired by a series of conversations and realizing while many individuals were extremely successful in the real estate investments, their retirement accounts were losing money. So Dimitri, we know you have a passion for helping others achieve financial freedom through financial planning and investing, so our listeners are in for a treat. Can you please start by telling everybody a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Uh, sure. Thanks, uh, Lolita. Basically, um, uh, as you can hear from my accent, first of all, I'm not from here. I'm an immigrant <laughs> in this uh, country from uh, Russia back in 1996, uh, but I'm uh, delighted to call this country my home now. Uh, it's uh, truly a land of opportunity. I came here with uh, nothing, no English, no money, and was able to achieve financial independence and uh, build a business. So definitely a great place to be. Um, I wish everyone will value what we have. But uh, um, I started in uh, real estate investing almost 20 years ago. Uh, had some ups and downs. And about 10 years ago, started uh, specializing in what I do currently, which is helping investors use their IRAs and 401ks to invest in real estate. Awesome. Thanks for that. So today we're going to talk about a little bit about what you just mentioned, self-directed IRAs, solo 401k. So maybe you can just start with telling everyone what is a self-directed IRA. Let's start there. Sure. Well, uh, most people are familiar with traditional retirement accounts, IRAs and 401ks. And those accounts are typically held by uh, brokerages uh, such as Fidelity, Schwab, Merrill Lynch, and so forth. And, and those brokerages they interested in selling you investments that they offer, which is stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. So they do limit your investment choices for your IRA and your 401k. But self-directed IRA is an account held with a custodian that does not place those limitations, basically allowing you to invest in alternative assets, such as real estate, uh, private lending, uh, tax liens, and much, much more. Okay, and now can anyone place their money in a self-directed IRA or are there some restrictions with that? Uh, pretty much anyone who has earned income or has another retirement account that they wish to use to fund the self-directed IRA can open one. 
Okay. But if you currently have an IRA or a 401k with like a current employer, then that may not be able to be self-directed. Is that correct? Uh, correct. Yeah. An IRA is an individual account, uh, individual retirement account that, that is not held by uh, the employer, but 401k is 401k for 403b, 457. If you have one of those employer sponsored plans with the current employer, the chances are they will not allow you to touch those funds until you either leave the company or reach a retirement age. Okay, perfect. And so can you tell us also what a solo 401k is then? A solo 401k is a great alternative to a self-directed IRA. Uh, Solo 401k is specifically designed for those people who are self-employed or own a small business. And uh, many real estate investors that I speak with uh, fall into that category in one way or another. So if you are uh, uh, self-employed or own a small business, you qualify for one. Uh, specific criteria that you have to meet is, again, there has to be a presence of legitimate self-employment activity or a business with earned income. That's the key. The income must be earned, not passive. And number two, you cannot have full-time employees working for you. Uh, you can have part-time employees, and IRS definition full-time is 1,000 hours or more per year, which equates to about 20 hours a week. So if you have uh, part-time staff, you can still qualify for one. If you have full-time employees, the law requires that you do offer retirement benefits to your employees as well. So and solar 401k plan simply is not designed to accommodate any employees other than the owners. Your spouse can participate because spouses consider it owner-employee just like you are, but uh, uh, no other non-owner employees. And so if you're eligible, it has some very, very powerful benefits. Number one, it does not require a custodian unlike an IRA. So you can have a checkbook control over your 401k, eliminate custodian and transaction-based fees. Another major benefit is the ability to make significantly larger contributions. For this year, for 2020, that limit is up to $63,500, which is almost 10 times more than an IRA. Okay, and yeah, an IRA, I believe, is around 7,000, is that right? Uh, 6,000 plus $1,000 catch up. Uh, okay. So the maximum is 7,000, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about checkbook control? You mentioned it there, but for our listeners who may not know what that is, can you go a little bit more detail into what that is? Sure. Well, first of all, let me explain you uh, what the, the alternative is, which is having a custodial account. So custodian is uh, typically a trust company that holds your IRA uh, assets and IRA funds. So when you do want to make an investment, you, you contact the custodian, you tell them what investment you want to make, you submit certain forms, wait a few days for the approval, and then they release the funds. So you basically have to go through a middleman for each investment that you make, and then after that, for each transaction that you want to make. For example, if you own uh, investment property in your IRA, and you need to pay a repair bill or property tax bill, you have to go through the custodian, submit a request, wait for them to approve it, and then release the funds. And each time you do that, there is a fee. A checkbook, on the other hand, is you're able to eliminate the custodian altogether with the solo 401k. Solo 401k is designed as a trust of which you are the trustee as a client. And as a trustee, you have full control over the trust. 
So you can simply open up a check-in account in the name of the Solo 401k Trust as a trustee. Trust will have its own tax ID number and its unique name. So you open that business check-in account and that's what the 401k funds will be held at. So if you want to make an investment or make a transaction, you can do that as simple as writing a check. So there is no additional cost and no delays. Are you maybe taking on a little bit more risk and certainly responsibility by going with the checkbook control? Well, uh, there is certainly a response. You need to be responsible. It's not for everyone. Uh, so you do need to understand the rules, of what it is that you can do and what you cannot do. Uh, but that is true regardless whether you have a, a, a checkbook control or not. Because if you have a custodial account, custodian has zero responsibility for your actions. So you can still commit a prohibited transaction with a self-directed IRA. The benefit is that if custodian catches a prohibited transaction, they will stop it. But oftentimes, if you want to make a prohibited transaction, you can still do that with an IRA without custodian knowing, because ultimately you're responsible. They don't know all the information. They're simply following your, your, your direction. So it's imperative that you understand the rules. Okay. And so for prohibited transactions, and I'm sure there's a ton of them, so you won't be able to review them all here, but what are some of the common prohibited transactions people should know about? Well, actually, uh, it's, uh, it's not, there's not many of them. And okay. I, can, I can explain it simply so that your listeners can understand. Uh, often people ask what it is that you can do or can invest in. And IRS does not provide that definition. IRS tells you what it is that you cannot invest in and what you cannot do. And you cannot invest in collectibles. So anything that is considered collectible, you cannot invest in with your uh, IRA or 401k. And number two, life insurance contracts. And uh, that's as far as the investments. Now, prohibited transactions typically arise when there is a disqualified person involved. By IRS definition, disqualified person is account owner, his spouse, his parents, grandparents, kids, grandkids, and their spouses. So basically vertical line. Uh, horizontal is okay. You can engage in a transaction using your IRA with your sibling or your cousin or nephew and so forth. But immediate family members is prohibited. So any transaction that involves one of those family members is not allowed. So you want to make sure that when you are making a transaction with your 401k or, or an IRA, none of those people can be in the picture. And to give you an example of a specific transaction, let's say you purchased a property uh, using your 401k and it's a rental property. You cannot rent it to your kids to your son or your daughter because they will be disqualified. That will be a transaction between a plan and disqualified person. Another example, if your spouse is a real estate agent and uh, uh, your spouse cannot represent your 401k in a transaction, uh, purchase or sell, because that mm -hmm. will be again a transaction between a plan and disqualified person. Okay. And so what happens if there is a prohibited transaction? Maybe you just didn't know, or maybe, you know, you forgot. What happens in that case? Well, IRS doesn't care. You, you must know. So you must abide by the rules and you better know the rules before you even uh, continue with this uh, in this path. 
uh, again, rules are not difficult to understand. So if you committed a prohibited transaction inside of an IRA, the entire IRA will be considered distributed. So you, penalties uh, uh, can also be up to 100% of the balance. So it's very important you understand the rules. 401k actually has more flexibility there because 401k, uh, you, you have the ability to uh, correct the prohibited transaction. And if you don't correct it, the amount that is involved in the prohibited transaction will be considered distributed, not entire 401k. Okay. And so the difference between the self-directed IRA and the 401k, is, is there really a difference between different asset classes and different investments? Is one benefit more than the other, or is it pretty much, um, you know, as simple as you're talking about a 401k, solo 401k kind of seems like the better route to go? Well, uh, uh, for the most part, there is no difference. The, the really major difference is when you invest using leverage. So, for example, uh, common investments with retirement accounts is buying uh, rental properties or actually investing into a syndication, into a larger uh, commercial property, multifamily apartment uh, uh, complex where you simply invest in passively into somebody else's deal. Uh, and uh, most of the syndications, they do use leverage. So when there is a leverage that is used, the portion of the income that is derived from the uh, leveraged portion of the investment will be subject to UBIT tax. And that stands for unrelated uh, business income tax. And so uh, 401k is actually exempt from that tax on leveraged real estate. So that makes it a pretty significant advantage over an IRA. On top of other benefits that we mentioned, such as uh, ability to avoid the custodian, have a checkbook control, and uh, larger contribution limits. Yeah, I think that's a huge one. I think a lot of people think they invest with their self-directed IRA and they're not getting hit with any taxes. And so when they get that uh, tax, they're a little surprised. How large is that tax typically? Well, uh, there is a sliding scale. It tops at 37%. And uh, uh, so it's, uh, there is a formula. You've got to talk to your CPA to calculate what the impact is going to be depending on your particular circumstances. Okay. And so is, are there any options for a W-2 employee to be able to invest in this type of vehicle but avoid that UBIT tax? Uh, you mean uh, using a solo 401k? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, typically people would just use a self-directed IRA. Is there some route that they can go? Let's just say they have a W-2 job right now and they're looking for an option for themselves. Can they still get a solo 401k even though they're not self-employed? Well, again, the, the, uh, they must meet the criteria. And the criteria is being uh, uh, having legitimate self-employment activity and not having an, any full-time employee. So now, you can have a side business or side self-employment activity in addition to your full-time job. In fact, I have many clients who are in that situation. You can, be, you can have a full-time job and you can do something on the side. Uh, example can be a real estate agent. Uh, I just spoke with a, a client prior talking to you guys who is a real estate agent. And uh, real, as a real estate agent, uh, he actually has a full-time job and just does uh, a couple of transactions just for himself. So he generates a little bit of self-employment income. It's certainly legitimate and that qualifies him. Another example, somebody who actually uh, are flipping properties 
uh, you can flip one or two properties a year and that creates legitimate self-employment income for you, qualifies you for a solo 401k. Uh, one thing, just in addition to that, uh, if you have a job, just a normal W2 job, uh, you're working for somebody, uh, think about this. You don't own that job. Somebody else owns it. So you might have it today, you might not have it tomorrow. So think about creating multiple sources of income and not just depending on your job as a source of income. So uh, if you start something on the side, there's many things you can do depending on, on your uh, background and your skills. It can be in the field that you currently employed or it can be something else. Um, but if you create that self-employment activity, it's going to enable you to qualify for a solo 401k. It will create some additional source of income for you and potentially you can develop that into full-time business. You may not know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So in, during a cost segregation, are, is someone that's invested in a self-directed IRA allowed to or able to take the bonus depreciation to offset that UBIT tax? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure answer to that question. Okay. But I'm wondering because that can definitely be very helpful. So, okay. Um, so tell us, do you personally invest with these vehicles in your multifamily investments? Sure. I do. Yes. Okay. Got it. And how did you get involved in multifamily investing yourself? Well, actually, the, the way that I got involved into multifamily is I, I started just with single family homes. Uh, purchased my first uh, property in 2002 uh, when I purchased my first rental. Uh, owned over, over 20 properties over the years. Uh, when I started a business back in 2010, I started looking at my portfolio. I wanted to move towards passive investments. And uh, uh, I started, I got uh, introduced to private lending concept and I started investing in notes, basically using my money as a, as a bank, lending to other people. It's been working great for a number of years. I'm still doing that. But um, when it comes to investing personally, interest income only increases my, uh, my, my taxable income. So I end up paying more and more taxes every year. And I started looking into, there is nothing to basically write off or do, to offset that income. Uh, so I started looking into another alternatives. I did not want to go back to single family rentals. I did not want to deal with that. So I basically landed on uh, uh, multifamily syndications. Awesome. All right. And is there anything else maybe that uh, we didn't cover as far as solo 401k, self-directed IRAs that you want to share with our listeners? Uh, well, um, one thing that uh, these vehicles allow you to do is to diversify. Uh, some people think it's only real estate that is uh, available, but you can invest in pretty much anything. As I mentioned, the only two investments that are not allowable is collectibles and life insurance contracts. So you can invest in virtually anything. That can be uh, tax liens uh, or anything else that is related to real estate, or it doesn't have to be related to real estate. It can be private businesses. Uh, it can be private placements. Uh, uh, it can be startups of some sort uh, or pretty much anything else. And it can be done uh, just in the U.S. as well as internationally. I have clients who invested in India, China, Canada, South America, Japan, uh, some that I can remember. Uh, so you have 
pretty much unlimited investment choices. Okay. And actually, one other thing I wanted to kind of get clarif- clarification on is if you were to invest in a syndication, but just on the debt side, in that case, you wouldn't be taking advantage of the leverage. Therefore, you would not be triggering the UBIT tax. Is that correct? Uh, well, you still take advantage of the leverage because your portion is still using the leverage when you invest a, a certain portion. But the the income that is derived from the leveraged portion of the uh, property is not subject to UBIT tax by using a 401k. So you, it's a major benefit. Well, I guess my question would be if there were two classes, let's just say one class is an 8% preferred return with a 70-30 split and you get you know a share of the upside, whereas there's a class B that's just a 10% debt, uh, no upside, just 10% return um, for the life of the hold would then then technically you're not taking advantage of any leverage, correct? I'm not sure if I fully understand the question. Um, I mean, regardless, with, with the 401k, regardless which class you're going to invest in, there's going to be no taxes. Okay, got it. But with, uh, with an IRA, uh, again, if it's an equity investment, there, there will be tax on leverage portion of, of your investment. Okay, got it. All right, Lolita's is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Sure. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by asset protection attorney, Wayne Patton. We all spend a lot of time thinking about ways to make more money, but how much time have you spent thinking about legal strategies to protect your wealth? Whether you're a professional, an investor, or an entrepreneur, you are at risk of being targeted in a lawsuit. Wayne is an attorney who specializes only in asset protection strategies, like the use of offshore trusts. If you'd like to learn more about how you can protect your assets, visit mwpadden.com or assetprotection.law. Mention this podcast and Wayne will waive his customary $750 initial consultation fee. Again, the website is mwpadden.com or assetprotection.law. Or you can call Wayne at 877-727-1092. Call now and get protected today. Okay, Dimitri, what is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you cannot do without? Well, it's, uh, it's networking. You know, I think uh, it's very powerful to have the network of people. I uh, can tell you from many uh, good friends and just uh, I developed uh, by networking with uh, individuals. Yeah, we couldn't agree more. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Uh, probably uh, one of the main mistakes was uh, when I uh, started investing in 2001, uh, I purchased my first uh, primary residence. Uh, and then in 2002, I purchased uh, my first rental property. It was a great time to invest in California market. In about four or five years, both of these properties almost tripled in value. So it was just unbelievable return. Uh, I used some of that equity, started investing more and more, and I basically went over my head. And I purchased more than I should have. And uh, um, I uh, basically listened to the wrong advice uh, that depreciation will continue, uh, which it doesn't, and uh, acquire some properties that were negative cash flow. The bottom line, the lesson that I learned is that you need to understand the difference between investment and speculation. So when you invest uh, in a, a property that is negative cash flow and you're hoping that it will appreciate over time 
and you have to feed money into it, that's a speculation. That's not, not an investment. Mm-hmm. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Uh, well, uh, um, it's an interesting question, and I'm kind of battling with that. I um, consider uh, doing some things to grow to the next level, but at the same time, I want to spend more time with my family. So uh, I'm at the point I, I reached financial independence about a year ago. Uh, I don't really have to work. So I, it's kind of a balance. I enjoy doing what I'm doing and, and continue learning in real estate. But uh, at the same time, I want to spend more time with my family. So it's, it's kind of a, a balance that I have to do, and I haven't decided. I haven't made that move yet. All right. And finally, Dimitri, where can people find out more about you? Probably the best and the easiest way is go to our website, which is sensefinancial.com. And sense is like common sense, S-E-N-S-E. Uh, there you can uh, um, get my, uh, my number, my email, and links to all my social media profiles. And uh, um, I would like to offer to all of your listeners complimentary consultation because everyone's situation is different. And uh, I enjoy doing what I'm doing and uh, will enjoy counseling uh, your, uh, your listeners. Wow. Well, thank you. Uh, Kyle, I think we'll put that on our show notes, right? We'll do. All right. Well, thank you so much for the beneficial information, Dimitri, and sharing your expertise on our show with us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dimitri. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to limitless-estates.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.